Over all the earth, you reign on high, every mountain stream, every sunset sky. But my one request, Lord, my only aim, is that you reign in me again. Lord, reign in me, reign in your power over all my dreams. In my darkest hour, you are the Lord of all I am. So won't you reign? Is there any piece of clothing or costume that Billy Levin has not wore at this church? That's what I want to know. <laughs> uh, all right, let's stand back up. We've got to get everybody warmed up here. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. At the name of Jesus, every tongue confess. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every knee shall bow at his name. He is a wonderful counselor, he is the mighty God, he is the everlasting Father, he is the Prince of Peace. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, at the name of Jesus. strength from? We get it from the Lord, from God.
strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Our God, you reign reading by Trinity Rose and Brad Brent. Proverbs 22.1 A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and are safe. Thank you for sharing the word with us. I think we, uh, 
are learning our need for not only our young people, for, for all of us. There's a, there's a power in hearing and reading the word out loud in our assemblies, I think, that we need to get back to. And I appreciate them reminding us of the power of a new name and the, the power of God who is our stronghold and our tower. Say to those who are fearful hearted, do not be afraid. The Lord your God is strong with his mighty arm when you call on his name. He will come and say, He will come and say, He will come and say you, He will come and say you. Say to the weary one, Your God will surely come, He will come and say you, He will come and say you, He will come and say you. Lift up your eyes to him, you will arise again. He will come and save you. Say to those who are broken hearted, do not lose your faith. The Lord your God is strong with his loving arms when you call on his name. He will come and say, He will come and say, He will come and say you, He will come and save you. Say to the weary one, Your God will surely come, He will come and save you. He will come and save you, He will come and save you. Lift up your eyes to him, you will arise again. He will come and save you. He will come and save you. He will come and save you. Say to the weary one, your God will surely come. He will come and save you. He will come and save you. He will come and save you. Lift up your eyes to him. You will arise again. He will come and save you. Lift up your eyes to him. You will arise again. He will come and save you. Yes, he will. Okay. 
morning, church family. It's a joy to be with you all this morning. Today I'm preaching a sermon called New Name. It's from our sermon series called Brand New. And you can see uh, maybe Kellett and I, he led our worship this morning, joking around up here. I told him before this morning, uh, Mike, that song, uh, I Will Change Your Name, would just go perfectly with the sermon this morning. And he's like, no, that's a terrible song. I'm not going to sing that song. And it's the song right before the sermon. So, Mike, you got me there, man. Um, I- I'm going to be skipping around. These are topical sermons. Uh, the first text I'm going to go to is Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 1. And I have this on the screen for you this morning. But I'm gonna, we're, we're going to read some texts from Isaiah, uh, pr- primarily Isaiah 62. I'm going to be in Isaiah 43. So, again, we're going to be kind of doing a Bible drill uh, this morning. You guys just hang with me. It's gonna be, we're going to have a lot of fun this morning. I thought really critically about how to use people's names against them this morning. And so I'm going to call out some of you guys who are in attendance, all in good humor. Um, A a name is very powerful. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 1 says, A good name is like a fine perfume. And let me just tell you, my bride has a perfume. When she puts it on, it is powerful. She has my undivided attention. And that's that's how names are, right? So... So, for example, names, are, names can really grab your attention. When I hear my name called in the house and it's Trent, I alert. All right? I, I alert to the, the summoning of my name. All right? Now, if, if I'm in the house and I hear Trentondale, that's, that's an added dimension of, of attention grabbing. All right? And so I stand at attention. It's more than just being alerted. It's like a, an attentive stance, yes, ma'am. Uh, and if I hear my full name, Trentondale Langhofer, I run and hide. So, so names absolutely do grab attention. Uh, consider, consider how powerful it is, church, to name a fear that you have. Or to name the hidden source of shame that you're hiding. Consider how powerful it is to speak the name of that fear or to speak the name of that shame. Truly, to name something is to begin to conquer it. There is great power in a name. If you were to glance through the Bible from from cover to cover, all 66 books, you would find that there are 3,000... 237 people named in the scripture. What that tells me is that the Bible is a book of names. And each name in the Bible seems to have a measure of significance. Now, of those 3,200 and some odd names, not all of those people have unique names. Some of those people share a name with another person. For example, there are four Benjamins in in scripture. Uh, There are... um, 14 Josephs and 31 Zacharias, among a lot of other people who share lots of names. If you were to look up the longest name in the scripture, and I've got this on the screen for you this morning, it's Meher Shalal Hashbaz, all hyphenated. And sometimes, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I'll be reading the Bible and I'll think to myself, that would be a really cool modern day rapper's name. And I promise you, if you Google Meher Shalal Hashbaz, some dude in 2018 is using this name, I'm serious, as his rap stage name. So you guys need to check that guy out. He's 
uh, got some creativity. Let me, let me tell you something personal. Uh, I want to share with you the significance of my children's names. So we have three awesome kids. Uh, uh, my oldest's name is Adrian, and he's named after the guy who started the treatment center that I went to that r- literally saved my life. So without this man in my life who was the essence of Christ for me, I probably wouldn't be alive today. So we decided to name, Kirsten and I decided to name our first son after this guy because of what a significant role he played in my life personally. Kyra, who is my precious little girl, and I did want to put a plug in here. Um, Last night was the daddy-daughter formal ball, first ever here at WFR, and I want to make a comment about that. Uh, Never have I ever seen White's Ferry Road so well-dressed and so on time. (laughs) So if you were there, I want to thank you for it. Kyra was worth getting there, getting a suit on and showing up early to a ball with her... uh, Uh, to celebrate our relationship. So her name, Kirsten and I were looking for a name in the scriptures, is actually taken from the Greek word kairos. Kairos means the right time. And Kirsten and I found out we were pregnant right in the middle of just a, a really busy trying season. And we had to really trust God to get us through that trying season and raise this precious little girl in a way that was pleasing to him that would provide her the kind of guidance and nurturing that she needed. And so we kind of decided that we were going to claim that this was the right time, even though it was an extremely challenging time in our lives, to have had a little girl. And it turned out to be the perfect time. Our youngest's name is Judah. He's super cute. He's got this dirty blonde hair. Uh, That's a very biblical name. It means uh, son of Jacob. Judah is the tribe from which Jesus came. Uh, His name literally means praise. And we like the phrase Lion of Judah uh, around our house, so it's stuck. If you, if you would take my children's names and use them as ways to understand who they are, I think you would find that the, the names we have chosen for our children pretty accurately demonstrate their personalities. And Scripture teaches us that. Scripture teaches us that our names are our identity. And they really tell us who we are. Let me give you a Bible verse that proves the point. This is from 1 Samuel uh, chapter 25, verse 25. So let me give you some context here. There is a very foolish man named Nabal who was hanging out in the kingdom of a a really powerful, uh, smart king who killed lots of guys. His name was David, okay? And David did not uh, bother Nabal while he was living in David's property. He kind of protected him and cared for him. And uh, years later, Nabal ends up getting his own land and his own place. And David sends some guys to uh, tell Nabal hi and that they could use maybe some help. And, and Nabal refuses. He's like, what, what do I have uh, to return anything to you for? Why should, I, uh, why should I help you? Why should I send any uh, goods or services to you? And so David decides, I'm going to go and I'm going to kill Nabal and I'm going to kill all of his manservants and woman servants and all his cattle and livestock because I showed him this kindness at one point in time in his life and he's not returned the favor. And his wife, this brilliant woman named Abigail, intervenes. And in 1 Samuel 25, 25, she intercepts David and his warriors as they're coming to kill her husband. And she says this, 
Let not, my Lord, I pray thee. And let me, let me preface too. This is King James. You're going to get some old English. But that underlined phrase in the King James is the most clear translation of that particular phrase. So here's what she says. David, please, let not, my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, even Nabal. For, and here's this underlined phrase that's really important. For as his name is, so is he. His name literally means fool. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. Truly, this is a guy who lived up to the legacy of his name. His identity was his name. What his name was is exactly what he ended up being, a fool. So as I was uh, critically thinking about that, I thought, you know, we have some pretty uh, uh, well-known and significant names in our congregation. For example, Robertson. When you think the name Robertson, you think a couple of things. First, can grow really long, scraggly beards. Uh, They're great duck hunters. They love Jesus. And, and I've never met a Robertson of, of any age that doesn't know the word. So the Robertson name is, is symbolic of all of that stuff. And then I kind of got carried away with this. Because I thought, man, I really could use this opportunity to really call some guys out here. So that's what I'm fixing to do. How, how about this? Jeremy, the, the name Shackelford. Right, not just Jeremy, but the name Shackelford. That means you're tall. Right? Shackelford means you're tall. Okay? How about this? The last name Kirby. I really started getting on a roll here. Right? If your last name's Kirby, you're always professionally dressed. You love a 15-minute meeting with a good ending almost as much as a 15-minute sermon with a good ending. And you're always conscientious of the time. All right. I hope you guys know some of these guys because this is really gold stuff. Uh, okay, how about this? Kellett. If your last name is Kellett, you sing. Whether you sing good or bad, you just sing. Okay? <laughs> okay, how about this? So then I, start, I, then I started thinking to myself, man, I'm going to just riff on all our elders this morning, you know, because I got the mic. So how about this? If, if your last name is Item, never met an Item who is not dependable, caring, and committed. Am I right? Okay. If your last name is Bromley, you are steady and steadfast. You love Camp Chioka, and you have exceptional dental hygiene. Can I get an amen? <laughs> okay. If your last name is Stevens, man, this is so good. Uh, if your last name is Stevens, you're kind, and you know how to fix anything. You have a Bible in one hand. And a hammer in the other with a gun hidden somewhere on your body. <laughs> ready to use any at any time. And that includes the women. I was thinking Kim, Anna, Katie, all of these ladies. These are not the kind of ladies you want to confront in a dark alleyway. Okay. Uh, I told you, that's so good. Davenport. How about this? Davenport, you're musically talented and have an attitude of praise. Okay. Uh, if your last name is Howard... You're dedicated and entrepreneurial. Alright? You're dedicated and entrepreneurial. Here's one you guys have been waiting for that, of course, I would have included. If your last name is Dasher, uh, you are strange people who never meet a stranger. Uh, you genuinely seek God. You're hardworking, have a quick wit, but not quite a good a sense of humor as I do. 
Okay, if your last name's Inman, I didn't see some of these guys here, but you need to mention that I called them out. If your last name's Inman, you're strong, resilient, and you're good at telling stories, especially about your previous baseball career. Okay? (laughs) Tell him I said that. Uh, Just two more here. If your last name is Hudnall, I could not resist. Um, If your last name is Hudnall, seriously, you're an athlete, but you get injured a lot. You have small calves, and you're not quite as good at at baseball as Tommy Inman. (laughs) Uh, And, of course, if your last name is Langhofer, you're wise, you're refined, you have a great sense of humor, and you're more athletic than Josh Hudnall. (laughs) Um, So I'm just having some fun there with some some names. and I did, I, did, I did leave off Abel's just because I noticed him out there. I, th- I think I did. You have a servant's heart and great hair. Robert Abel's used to be a barber in another life. So make sure to comment on that guy's hair. Let, let, me, let me tie this in, though, to something that I do think is important. Over time, we tend to name our own selves. We can accumulate experiences in life uh, that cause us to label who we are. Let me give you a biblical example just so you can write this down of a guy who talked to himself in a negative way even when God was trying to give him some guidance and direction. In Genesis 17, 17, God tells Abraham that he's going to have a son. And Abraham fell face down and laughed. And here's the key phrase. He said to himself, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? What's a label that Abraham had placed on himself at this moment in time in his life? It was that he was too old. That was this label that Abraham had placed on himself. I'm too old. Now, in the very next verse, in Genesis 17 and 18, he actually starts talking to God. So you get this very clear, first he's talking to himself, am I going to have... Uh, a child at this old age, and is Sarah going to give birth at 90? Abraham had labeled him and his family as too old. They were past their prime. There has been. It was impossible. And you have similar situations in your life that either have been impossible or currently seem impossible or that have been failures or hardships or struggles. And have you, as you've come through these situations, you've labeled yourself. I'm raising kids right now, and the first word my kids learned, really, they said mom first, all of them, but the first word they learned from us was the word no. And so we tend to view the world through what we can't do. That's just how our world seems to work. And so in the labels you create for your own self, you're going to tend to manufacture and construct labels for yourself that are to your own disadvantage. They're to your own disadvantage. And I want to caution you on labeling yourself because the labels you tend to put on yourself limit what God can do through you. The label you tend to put on yourself can limit what God can do through you. A perfect case in point is Abraham. He had to break through the label of being old and really understand the power and majesty of God for God to do the work through Abraham that he intended. Sometimes, church, it's not just you who's putting those negative labels on you. Sometimes it's other people. 
I think we, one thing I've also noticed for my kids, not only do they tend to learn what they can't do sooner, and we tend to live in a world based on what we can't do, but we also tend to live in a world that's very competitive. And we're regularly comparing ourselves to others, or others are regularly comparing themselves to us. And sometimes in that comparison, competitive culture that, that we live in, people can place labels on us, can speak words over us that influence our lives for a very long time. If you've lived through middle school or high school, you know what I'm talking about. And not only do I want to caution you, maybe to rethink the labels you've put on yourself, I also want to caution you maybe to rethink the labels that other people have placed onto you. The last thing I want to mention about how significant your name is in shaping your identity is that you really need to be careful how you label other people. You've got to be very careful how you label other people. It's really easy in marriage for one member of the relationship to label another member of the relationship with a very damaging, hurtful label. One of the most common labels I see in, in couples is one member of the relationship labeling another member of their relationship to be just like a parent. You're just like your dad or you're just like your mom. And once we start using those very hurtful, very painful labels, each person in the relationship becomes more deeply entrenched in their frustration and starts to do things to retaliate and starts to do things to defend against that label. And pretty soon we end up kind of living out the labels that we've placed on one another. And this whole thing that we're talking about brand new is all about having a new experience in a new year. We talked about having a new life or getting a new song. This is about having new, a new name. And if you put a, a negative label on yourself or someone else has labeled you with a negative name or maybe you've labeled another person with a negative name, it's time to allow God to rename those individuals and possibly even you in your life. Not only do our names tell us who we are, but our names tell us whose we are. Our names are our heritage, and they do tell us whose we are. So in Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 1, God says something very interesting to his people, the, the nation of Israel. He says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. Listen to this. I have called you by name. You are mine. And, and church, it's not as though at this moment in time in the history of the Israelite kingdom that these people are doing the things God wants them to do to the point where he would be glad to proclaim, I have called you by name, you are mine. They've, they've pursued other gods, they've been disobedient at this moment, part of the kingdom of Israel, the northern kingdom's been invaded, and God's still telling broken, messed up people, I am calling you by the name that I have chosen for you because you belong to me. And can I just say, when you finally surrender to God and you are in relationship with the one to whom you belong, that life makes sense. I had the opportunity to go visit one of our dear sisters in the hospital, Linda Jackson, uh, last week. And some of you have been to the hospital and you visited her. And I have not, you know, I'm young in my ministry and I don't have a lot of hospital visitation experience. I do a lot of counseling. 
but I don't have a lot of hospital visitation experience. And I have virtually no hospital visitation experience for someone who's in very critical condition, absolutely in the twilight of their life, in stage four cancer, who is saying, I'm ready to go meet Jesus. And, And that was this situation. And so I'm actually driving back to town from Arkansas and get a call from uh, the Jacksons who said, Trent, can you come up and can you uh, come visit with Linda? And I'm like, absolutely. You know, I knew the situation was very critical and she's in in the twilight of her life and was very honored that the family even thought of me. And then I just started to get extremely anxious, like, man, what am I going to be able to say to her? Her daughters were there. Her husband was there. What? What can I say to this precious family that would offer any encouragement in a situation like this? And so I called Mike uh, Kellett, who has given me such good mentoring over the years. And he said, Trent, don't, don't worry about it. Just, just go up there and just talk to her. Just, just trust the Lord to kind of give you the right words. So I walk in the hospital feeling all the pressure that a young preacher might feel to say the right thing or do the right thing in a situation like this. And I get in the room... And for the next 10 minutes, she, she encouraged me maybe more in my ministry than I have ever been encouraged. She said, Trent, I am so proud of you. I'm so proud of your testimony. She said, I want you to take care of WFR Church and, and, and follow the lead of the elders and love those people and keep preaching and keep loving the Lord and keep learning. And she played me one of the most beautiful songs uh, as, as I was in there, and her family circled around, and she, this, this lady who is, who is literally in the twilight of her life, she sang a song to me while we're standing there. And I, and I left the room that day feeling so uplifted and so in, encouraged, but also so in shock. How does a person who's in as much pain as she is obviously in, who is as weak as she obviously is, find the strength and the courage to handle that situation the way that she is handling it. And as I was prepping for this this sermon, I felt God speak to me and say, Trent, the reason Linda can approach that very twilight season of her life the way that she can is because she knows to whom she belongs. She's with the one that she belongs. She's with Jesus. And even in the most difficult, desperate struggles in life that we go through, and Linda Jackson is in the very most difficult struggle you can be in, if we are with the one to whom we belong, even those situations make sense. We've had families lose loved ones recently, uh, very unexpectedly, children, and I've talked to them in those kinds of situations. And I remember this particular dad tell me, Trent, we're doing okay. We're trusting God. We know He has our little girl, and we're putting our faith and trust in Him. And I thought to myself, Lord, how are people doing this? And it's because those people are fully in relationship with the one to whom they belong, with Jesus, who has redeemed them and paid their ransom and has called them by name and made them His possession. And when we are with the one to whom we belong, church, life just makes sense. 
There is no struggle you'll go through in your family or physical malady you'll experience or conflict you can go through where God's not able to lead you through that in a way that makes you better, draws you closer to Him, and gives you the peace that passes all understanding. Not only is, is, is your name your heritage, but your name is also your destiny. Those are the three things I wanted to mention to you this morning. First, your name is your identity. It tells who you are. Your name is your heritage. It tells whose you are. And your name is your destiny. It tells where you're going. Let me, let me read you a verse. I, I'm also in Isaiah here, so if you're in the 43rd chapter, flip ahead a few chapters to Isaiah chapter 62. This is God, again, speaking to his kingdom, Israel, a people who just failed time and time and time and time again. Man, these guys were broken and messed up. And in Isaiah 62, God says this, Israel, there is coming a day where the nations will see you vindicated. The, the nation of Israel, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah, we're going to go through incredible hardship. But God tells them there's coming a day where you're going to be vindicated. All the kings will see your glory. You will be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. All those nations, in other words, in other words Israel, who see your downfall, who have seen your disobedience, who have seen your destruction, all those nations who would call you worthless, All those nations who would call you a failure, all those nations who would call you rejectable or not good enough or unworthy, all those nations who would have placed those labels on you, and even you who have placed those labels on yourself, all those names will one day be changed. You will be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hand, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. No longer will they call you deserted or your land desolate, but you will be called Hephzibah and your land Beulah. And here's what those words mean. Isaiah is going to translate. Uh, the Lord will take delight in you. Hephzibah means to take delight in. The Lord will take delight in you and your land will be married. That's the word Beulah. That means married. As a young man marries a young woman, so will your builder marry you. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. When I was in uh, later elementary school and started to, you know, learn how to approach girls, just like all of you other guys did, so don't be playing like I'm the only one, I did what you did, and we would ask girls out. Now, what was ironic about asking a girl out in like the fourth or fifth grade is we weren't actually going anywhere, right? (laughs) Nobody had a car, nobody had money. I wasn't going to ask my parents if my fourth grade sweetheart could come to my house. So, but, but what I like about that phrase is it really did kind of say what we were doing. We were just walking from place to place, sort of hanging out together. We were just going around together. And, and later in life, when I met Kirsten and swindled her into marrying me, uh, I, was, I was essentially making her the same pledge. Kirsten, where, where, where I go, I want you to come with me. And where you go, I want to be there. I want us just to spend the rest of our life together. Me with you and you with me. And when she agreed to marry me, 
uh, on the happiest day of my life, September 7th, 2005, 17th, 2000, December 17th, wow, 2000 and, uh, 2005. It's the second happiest day of my life behind my marriage, May 20th, 2006. Right. <laughs> um, in that moment, Kirsten's name changed. She agreed to take on my name. And not just tell me, Trent, I'm going to go with you, but she's going to tell everybody all around that she's, she's going with me. And in that moment, her identity changes. Who she was changed. And her heritage changed. Whose she was changed. And not only did her identity and her heritage change, her destiny changed. Where she was going changed. And some of you under the sound of my voice need that same kind of transformation in your life personally. Who you are needs to be transformed. Whose you are needs to be transformed. And where you are going needs to be transformed. God wants to give you a new name. That's the last thing I want to mention. i got a scripture here from Revelation. God is begging you this morning to give him the opportunity to rename you in him. In the book of Revelation, if we just go to the first, second chapter, 17th verse, the Bible says, To the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone, listen to this phrase, with a brand new name written on it. Loser is not going to be written on the stone. Not good enough is not going to be written on the stone. Drug addict is not going to be written on the stone. Single parent, divorcee, uh, failure, fired. None of that is going to be written on that white stone. Victorious will be written on the white stone. Redeemed will be written on the white stone. Forgiven will be written on the white stone. What we see in the scripture too, and I just didn't feel like I had time to draw this out, and I'm going to conclude, is when people are renamed, the name God chooses always fits the pain a person has experienced. For example, Abraham had labeled himself too old, and when God renames him from Abram to Abraham, it means the father of many nations. The name God chose to rename Abraham perfectly fit with the pain he experienced at feeling like a failure because he was too old to have any children. So to really know your name, you would, have to, you would have to know yourself well enough to know the area in which you feel the most defeated. Because that's the one that God intends to give you the greatest victory in. And he wants to give you a white stone chiseled in it so it can't be erased. You're victorious in this area. I'm going to close in a prayer, and I'm going to invite you to come forward if you have a need in your life. And I, I, I do. I want you to be mindful of the labels you've put on yourself in those areas of pain that you've experienced in life and be willing to get, let God rewrite the name for you. Let's bow. Lord, I thank you so much, God, for allowing us the opportunity to come worship in this place and fellowship with you. And God, I ask in the name of Jesus that all of us here this morning, uh, who have fallen under labels and pain and seasons of difficulty and tragedy where we feel like we don't belong, God, that this morning you would break chains and free prisoners and change names. God, I thank you so much for each person here and just ask that their hearts would be open and receptive. And I pray this in Jesus' precious name.
Amen.
Please stand with me while we sing. There's not a friend like the lovely Jesus singing. No, not one. No, not one. None else could heal all our souls. Diseases. No. Church family, the, the Jennings are here this morning. This is Dallas and Ashley, and this is their cute little boy, Nathaniel. And he was born with some, some kidney and some bladder problems. And in the first few years of this guy's life, they have just been through dozens and dozens of tests and, and lots of doctor's appointments, traveling all around the state. They're going to New Orleans this coming week for, for another test. Ashley's saying she's going Tuesday. And so we want to pray over Nathaniel just for healing. Um, and we want to ask God to, to make a pathway for him to be healed. And so you guys remember Nathaniel in your prayers, and we're going to lift up Dallas and Ashley this morning. Let's pray. Precious Heavenly Father, we come before you, God, just so uh, heavy-hearted at um, uh, the battle that Ashley and Dallas are facing with Nathaniel, God. It's just uh, heart-wrenching to see their son go through multiple tests and and need answers and, and not feel like they, they have answers. And God, we're believing that, that by your spirit, you can and still do heal today. And we're asking for healing over Nathaniel in the name of Jesus. And if you choose to heal him through doctors, we pray that the tests in New Orleans this Tuesday would show a clear path to what's required for that kind of healing. And we just ask that through whatever process uh, uh, you, you influence here that you would keep Dallas and Ashley uh, God in peace and under the strength and shadow of your wing Lord we love you and thank you for these guys in Jesus name we pray Amen Leslie Kitchens comes this morning and uh, it's great news and sad news at the same time she came to us about four years ago, not in the best of places, uh, struggling with addiction. Our life was out of control, no relationship with any family, really no future. And over the four years, you know, God began to really transform this young lady back into a godly lady. She actually just told me that, you know, this is the first place she fell in love with the Lord was here. Not too long ago, she's been re- reunited with her family. Have multiple opportunities to spend time with them and just 
build that relationship back, found a career. But now she has an opportunity to go back home. And she'll be leaving this February 8th to go back to her family that she didn't have a relationship with, has a job waiting for her. You know, she just wants to say thank you to this church and to this church family for all they have done. Um, she's been a great, great person I have up here. And we're going to miss her but wish her well on that journey. And she always knows she has a family here. So we just want to pray with her this morning. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come to you now. And these are great stories, Father. This is, this is what this is about, Father, seeing just how you work in someone's life and just completely transform somebody who had no hope, Father, and to, to give them so much hope and to be able to spread that joy to others, Father. And we thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of this, to give her a family, to help her find the place to find you, Father. Lord, I just pray for Liz as she goes on her journey back home, that she continues to serve you and to build those relationships, Father, and just uh, to be that godly woman, that godly example, Father. Thank you for her heart and for her transformation. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Church family, Rick and Deanne Cole come forward this morning, and um, Rick was arrested, um, and he says, just, and we believe him, it's a mis- big misunderstanding, just got out of hand, and uh, it was in the paper, uh, on the news, and um, I talked to him earlier this week, and just, um, well, he's, just, he's, he's angry, um, embarrassed. Um, Deanne's angry, too, and I can understand that. They're just praying that God would take that anger away, that could rest. Um, they pray that the truth comes out, their names cleared up, and uh, we're with them on that. We love these guys so much, and I told him last week, I said, we're with you. We're your family. You don't uh, you don't cut and run when somebody something said about them, and uh, we believe the truth will come out. We believe them. We trust them. We love them, and uh, we're going to pray for them today that uh, that God takes this. I told her, I said, look, these tough times like this, they help you grow. And God will uh, take this and turn it into something good. Just trust Him. So. We love um, Rick and Deanna so much and their influence here and all that they've meant to our church and our family, and we're going to pray for them and continue to pray for them that, that uh, the truth will come out and that uh, these guys can be clear to this. Father, we, um, we thank you for Rick and Deanna so much. We love them. We're so thankful they're part of our family. God, I pray that you will um, strengthen them. Give them the courage to go through uh, this tough time. Pray you take the anger away. Um, pray, Father, that you just raise them up and continue to help them to grow to be the kind of people you want them to be. Help them to be able to see through all this and see that you can can um, make something good come out of all this mess. Again, thank you for them, and we pray continually that they will... Um, they will continue to believe in you and to trust, and that um, the anger will go away. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I'm ready to give my life up 
And so just to talk about it, and he's ready to get baptized today and, and start over as a new creation. And so today I'm going to ask you in front of your forever family who's going to be the Lord of your life. My Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Kathleen Nolan comes this morning. And it's a, it's a good thing. She's praising the Lord. It's been a year. been a year since she's been in transformations. And uh, she also wanted to thank Chad and Debbie for uh, accepting her in. And also this church for helping change her and to make her who she is. Uh, she says she has a new name. She has a new spirit. And, and uh, she's ready to keep going like she is and, and, and doing good. There's a lot of good things coming from over there. And, uh, and you're part of that, by the way. And we're grateful for that. So let's thank the Lord for that. <clears throat> Father, we do uh, thank you for Kathleen and, and uh, what she means to this church and what she means to transformations. And we're so proud of her that uh, she's made it this year. And we pray that the rest of her life will be the same or even keep getting better and better. And uh, that she she's used so much around here that uh, uh, things will be great for her, Father, and for all of us that are around her. We love you so much, and thank you for hearts like this and times like this. It's through Jesus we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Good job. I want to mention uh, a couple things were mentioned earlier. Uh, one, uh, you saw uh, Brad and, and Trinity this morning reading Scripture, and, of course, Rex and Sarah last week as well reading Scripture in our service. They're part of our uh, LTC, which goes has been going on for many, many years, uh, leadership training for Christ, and uh, I don't know. We have a busload. I know uh, how many go every year uh, and, and work with that, and that's a wonderful thing that happens in our youth and our children's ministry. And thank you for being a part of that and supporting that, and many hours of coming up here with practice uh, uh, and being a part. And we just want to uh, let these guys have the opportunity to lead in that way. Things they're learning to do public reading, and we'll be hearing more about that. And I want to echo with uh, what. Trent said, if you were a dad that brought your daughter last night, thank you so much. It was a great, wonderful, wonderful evening uh, together with our daughters. And uh, it was, thank you those who put that on tirelessly, uh, who cooked and served and cleaned up. It was a great, great evening with that. Uh, I'll give you a message from Travis Sayers. We went and visited with him this morning. Our elders did and anointed and prayed for him. Of course, as many of you know, Travis has been diagnosed with uh, stage four lung cancer. Um, he has a scan tomorrow. I had a biopsy, and then by the 29th, we'll be having uh, a lot of results and making some decisions there. And he he wanted to say thank you for praying for him. Uh, he's going to be in for a little while, mainly just to prevent some infection. Uh, but keep praying for him um, as well. And uh, Debbie Coleman is in the hospital as well, going through some tests and uh, trying to figure out some things. Not even sure uh, what's going on, but. Uh, Wanted to express her love. We were able to go by and visit and pray for her and anoint her Friday night as well. So let's pray as we close out our, our service today. Thank you, Father, for, uh, for the idea of Forever Family, uh, that what we get to do here, because we share the same name, we share the same heritage, and we share the same destiny uh, because of what you've done. You became one of us 
so that we could be adopted into your family. And we pray for our family members right now, for Travis and uh, as he heads uh, for more tests over the next few weeks, as well as Debbie. Um, and thank you for what they have meant for so many uh, for so many years in, in our congregation, in our community. Uh, be with them, give them comfort, give them healing uh, as you see fit and as only you can do. We are uh, reminded uh, about Linda and about Beverly as Beverly and Tommy head down to Houston today for, for further consultation and, and uh, follow-up. Uh, and for Linda as well, we thank you for the encouragement uh, that she uh, is to so many right now. Uh, and, Father, thank you for the hope that you have given her that, that she inspires so many uh, during this time of her life. We love you. We thank you for what you're doing here in this congregation. Uh, and we are careful to give you the glory. It's through Jesus. Amen.